Lord, meet us here. But more than meet us, stir us up with the word and the work you have for us in this Advent season. Beyond all sense of sound and sight, help us to expect what feels foolish and to live as though your kingdom is already at hand. For in Christ you are making that way. Amen. It is already the first week of December, and one of my favorite things is happening. Alongside the dross of catalogs and credit card advertisements, the gold of holiday cards have begun to show up in our mailbox at home. Many of these have beautiful pictures of family and friends, some of whom we see regularly, many of whom we have not seen in some time. I love when these begin to appear. I look forward to seeing the faces. I look forward to seeing how tall everybody has gotten over the last year. And on the off chance that there is a short paragraph or a letter included, that's even better. I love receiving these enough that I even enjoy preparing them, though I am a little lax on the letter, I will admit. It is one step too many in this busy season. It's the way many of my friends feel when they receive cards. They congratulate me for getting it done and say they can't imagine doing the same. They feel it is a tedious routine, and I understand that. For these cards are carefully crafted, and it surely takes some work. The letters that come, these sentences, I imagine, are poured over for hours to convey just the right spirit. The pictures that are chosen, those wind-blown beach looks, or that jaunty fall walk through the crisp leaves. Some rely on professionals to do the hard work of crafting these, and others pick the best of the bunch in their photos file on their computer. And it always makes me wonder, what didn't make the cut? What were the many family poses, outfits, settings that were tried out in order to find just the right one? How many frames turned out like that family photo circa 1984 hanging for years in my home growing up with a five-year-old Sarah, hands on her hips, tongue sticking out at the photographer? <laughs> Which details are left out in this annual summary in order to fit the space on the postcard? What can't be said, even if you want to? These words, these images, those that we say and those we don't, those that we use and those we do not, they have power, we know. And the prophet Isaiah knew this well, too. In fact, Isaiah's holiday card, those particular verses that we hear each Advent season in various forms, seem to us a picture carefully curated, a work of a divine imagination. In Isaiah 61, we see a picture of reparation and restoration. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. God has sent me to bring good news to the, good news to the oppressed and bind up the brokenhearted, 
to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners. I'm going to move this out a little bit. There we go. To provide for those who mourn and to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. Can you hear it? In Isaiah 40, a picture of great equalizing that cannot be underestimated. The wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley lifted up and every mountain made low. Uneven ground shall become level and rough places of plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all people shall see it together. Can you see it? In Isaiah 12, a picture of abundance. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Can you taste it? None other, though, seems to capture our senses quite like the picture of peace so magnificent that we could mistake it. Let's see. Is it on? Ah, there we go. Good. None other of these captures our senses quite as much as Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. This is our second reading for today, so let us listen for God's word to us. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the lion and the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the wean child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They will not destroy or hurt on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nation shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Thanks be to God. God. The picture the prophet paints, it does sound glorious, does it not? A great one who will come clothed with righteousness and faithfulness, 
dealing equity to the meek and justice to the poor, sorting out all that needs sorting out. And from this new branch, a signal to all people. The donkey shall live with the elephant. The Ukrainian shall sit down with the Russian, the Jew and the Muslim and the Christian together in Jerusalem. And the little child shall lead them. It sounds glorious, does it not? But then our pragmatism sets in. What isn't said here is that it feels like a fantasy. How do you judge without seeing and decide without hearing? It doesn't make sense. It's not what we do. It's not how we engage the world with thoughtful discernment and good stewardship. We have to look and then see and then make a good judgment. An inspection of a new home before purchase, a careful comparison of schools before committing, a studied approach, or else we look foolish. We have to hear just the right words before accepting an apology or an idea, just the right rationale before accepting a point of view, just the right key phrases before saying, it is good. We observe and we hear these fantastical visions laid bare by prophets in Advent for hope and joy and love and justice and peace, something new to come around the bend or from the ground or from the sky or from within, and it just does not meet with what we know to be true, much less what we imagine is possible. It is a hard season in which to hear the prophet's dreams. We continue to watch day after day and month after month as Russian soldiers persist through Ukrainian cities and Ukrainian citizens claw back portions of occupied territories. We continue to sit on edge as one election rolls into the next in a tense and endless cycle of hyperbole and attack. We continue to have to navigate carefully our holiday family gatherings while the landmines of difficult conversations proliferate. We continue to receive busloads of migrants dropped off downtown, ill-prepared for a Philadelphia winter. We continue to feel helpless as parents lose children and children lose parents to gun violence that has become the way we are expected to live. We continue to live unsustainably within systems of inequity and injustice, not yet uncomfortable enough to really change. It is a hard season in which to hear the prophet's words today. Though I wonder if there is truly ever an easy season, one in which this vision feels just around the corner. Remember, friends, the book of Isaiah is a book for the traumatized, attempting over a broad span of nation building to speak meaning amid wartime, enslavement, <coughs> exile, and return. The peaceable kingdom was a vision written into the reality of a people at war. Israel to the north, Judah to the south, Assyria, the strongman of the day, trying to form alliances only to be betrayed, 
Assyria wins the day, conquering Israel and making way for the fall of Judah years later. Desiring anything but this, the people look for a leader who will be a savior, a king, who will bring a reign of peace that they so desperately desire. Yet, as they had well experienced, our efforts to secure our own salvation seem always to fall short. This peaceable kingdom, this is not the only vision of a world made new that we come across in the biblical text. For it was not the only time people found themselves in desperation for change. And we know that this is not the only context into which a vision is cast that is wholly different than what is described. John preached repentance and repair, baptizing like a madman nearly 700 years later, pointing to yet another great one to come in the midst of the Roman imperial conquering. A winnowing fork in hand, this one would come to sort out all that needed sorting out. A signal to all people. So what is the point, we wonder, of coming back to these again and again, Advent in and Advent out? What is the point of poetry, carefully chosen words, of curating evocative images of all of the time and the effort when we suspect it is all merely a dream of the world as it should be, as we wish it were, rather than the truth of the world as it really is, as we worry it will always be. Prophets paint pictures with words, poetry for suffering ears to hear and weary eyes to glimpse, because they know that while God is able to judge without sense of sight and sound, we are not. We rely on our senses to experience both the worst and the best of our world and one another. And we rely on our senses to know God through the taste of bread and wine the sight of candlelight, the sound of familiar cadence, the smell of herbs and evergreen, the cool touch of water. We rely on our senses to tell us that God is still at work, to be shaken out of our despair, and to be reminded that God does not cast a vision lightly, that God fulfills God's promises. What we aspire to and what we are now, what God will do and what God is doing now, what the world is and what the world will be. As Advent people who receive annual postcards from the prophets, we hold both realities and we live in the tension of them with expectation for what does not make sense and with willingness even still to engage in the life of this world now with every sense and every gift and every hope that we have. This is how the people of God are good stewards, thoughtful in our discernment, 
We work now as we wait because the stakes are too high for those who suffer now. Our senses tell us that. We don't have time to get bogged down in skepticism. Repent is what John says. Repenting of what, of the, of the understanding that what we do and what we say does not matter. Repenting of the idea that what we do not do and what we do not say does not matter and cannot be used by God. Instead, Advent is a renewed call for us to engage with every part of who we are, beyond what is pragmatic, because even in our imperfection, our clunky words, our vision askew, our mismatched outfits, God is working justice and joy and repair and peace. Friends, believe it. For it is true even now. Thanks be to God. Amen.